TGIF. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Hope you guys are enjoying your Friday. We're back with episode two. Hell yeah, it's the weekend, and what a sports weekend we got coming. An absolute loaded UFC card, pay-per-view tomorrow, a couple title fights. Uh, a solid but not great slate of college football for Saturday, and a great Sunday of NFL football coming. All that, we do got some NBA action. It's early in the season so it's not super important right now. You know, the NBA at this point is just a hobby. Let's get right into it. We got a great episode today for y'all. So first, let's do a small recap of Thursday Night Football. Colts, Jets actually turned out to be pretty entertaining. Lots of points were put up. Um, Mike White came out firing. 7 for 11, 95 yards and a touchdown. Um, he gets hurt. Josh Johnson comes in goes he i mean for him especially he went ballistic because he's known as a dual threat running quarterback and i think we all learned together that he's still in the league much less a jet he goes 27 for 41 317 yards three touchdowns and a pick he uh he looked really good uh indy's secondary is pretty bad xavier Rhodes, i don't miss you in minnesota bud he looked awful um Wentz, for the Colts offense, he he's looked good for the most part this season. He had the longest streak this year of consecutive pass attempts without throwing an interception. Last night, he goes 22 for 30, 272, three tuds. Very solid game, but I got to say, I thoroughly do not enjoy watching Carson Wentz play football. Does he not just like look like a dude who's been injured a ton and had a thousand surgeries maybe it's just me but like when i watch him he doesn't move with any fluidity he's slow and when he gets hit i like cringe a little because i'm like is this his next injury oh he's getting back up all right but even that takes a while um however his running back jonathan taylor man he's a beast dominating uh, this season, like he did in college for Wisconsin, he has 19 carries, 172 yards, averaging nine yards a carry of the pair of touchdowns last night. Uh, when you're running the ball like that, it's going to open it up for Wentz, and that team could be really good. The Colts, I think, have really underachieved this year. Um, they they could get they have the potential to to get back into it, especially now that Derrick Henry's injured. They did go 0-2 this year against the Titans, but they can catch them. I believe the Titans' next two games are Saints-Rams, maybe. And that's right there. They could make up them two games if they uh, can just stay healthy, play some solid football. Um, wasn't a wasn't a super important game. Both teams came into the losing record, but it did entertain. Thursday night football sometimes is pretty hard to watch. At least this one put up some points. It was kind of over early in the third, but oh well. Switch into the NBA for a little bit. First mention all year about it. Uh, we got the beast of the East and the best in the West. Basically, this early in the season, you don't really want to read too much into the NBA. You know, it's a long season for a reason. Uh, lots of injuries will happen. Trades will happen. Teams will underperform and be forced to let go of their star. 
kind of like Portland, I think, is headed down that trail with Lillard. If they don't start winning some games here soon, I think that they're going to um, be forced to trade him or trade for a big piece, uh, probably resulting in the loss of C.J. McCollum. But we'll just take a brief look at what's going on. So far, Philly, Miami, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, if healthy, are clearly going to separate themselves from everyone else in the East, in my opinion. You can make arguments for other teams, but to me, so far, those those teams, those four, the Heat, Sixers, Nets, and Bucks, if healthy, if Brooklyn can get Kyrie vaccinated, get him back on the court, those four teams look to be the best. The West, I'll take the Utah Jazz, Golden State Warriors, Lakers, Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets. I think those five teams are going to eat each other alive. The West, once again, loaded. Uh, the the East is matching the West depth-wise, I think. However, I still do believe the West to have... I, I think they have five to six elite teams, where I think the East has three to four. So I think they're top-heavy, but that could play in the benefit of the East if they kind of eat each other up. Um, beat on each other a little bit in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Again, we're super early, so not going to read too much into it. The one thing I will say about the NBA that I've really enjoyed this year, the NBA has become so hard to watch over the last couple of years with these flops and screaming and whipping your head back if you get touched on the wrist, which doesn't make sense, but they're trained to do it. This new rule, if you have not watched the NBA for reasons like that, is there still bad fouls called? Yes, of course, there always will be. It's a bunch of 5'10 dudes trying to officiate 6'6 six, six and taller. There's always going to be bad calls. However, they have they have shifted very well so far. Harden doesn't like it, but these aren't fouls. You can't just randomly whip the ball at the rim, throw your head back and yell, and because you caught him on a position, it was a foul, or jumping backwards into a defender to throw up a shot that, has about a 1% chance of going in. They aren't calling it, and I love it. It's becoming watchable again for me. So they got to stick with it, make a couple more changes. I think they got to get rid of – they got to reevaluate, I think, next is these screens. I see these giant centers standing completely still, and the point guard gets his clock cleaned, but a lot of times it's acting. They throw their head back. They throw their body on the ground. Boom, whistle, offensive foul. And it's like, well, what the fuck? That's how you're taught to set a screen. It's a physical play. You're you're putting your body in a position to blindside a defender, to knock him out of his path, creating a mismatch for your guard. I'm not quite sure what the refs think is going to happen. There's going to be contact. It's a contact play. We'll take a real quick break. We'll be back with... Our first ever guest on the show. Stay tuned. Cool. Sounds good, dude. All right. Welcome back to the Fandom Pod episode two with Caleb on Anchor. Anchor's owned by Spotify. So if you guys download the Anchor app or Spotify, you can listen there. Hopefully, we'll be coming to Apple Pod and possibly even more options soon. Uh, we're going to go to the UFC. What a pay per view they got for us this weekend. The ultimate Trumpy, Kobe Covington, is getting his second shot to defeat the champ, Kamaro Usman. Last time out, we saw him clean my boy's clock 
the Miami Jesus or whatever they call him, Street Jesus, whatever. Thug Rose Namayunas defending her belt against Zhang Wheelie. These should be some absolute wars. We got Frankie Edgar, the UFC legend, making an appearance against Marlon Vera. Let's just get into this. I got a good buddy of mine with us today. Taylor, what do we got, man? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? So, uh, yeah, man, big fucking card this weekend. Super, super pumped. Um, this will be it. This is a must-buy for any UFC fan or even even any uh, casual fan because there's a lot of fights in here that's going to catch a lot of attention. So, um, I don't know, man. What do you want? What do you want to roll with here? We can talk about the title fights. I got like five fights that I've picked out that seem pretty awesome that everybody uh, needs to know about. What do you think? So yeah, I wanted to do five fights just to try to. So for those of you who aren't huge UFC fans, he selected this guy knows his stuff. He watches everything, Pro Fighter League or Pro Fight League, to Bellator, anything. He watches all of it. So I asked him to do me a favor. He picked five fights that you may not know the names of these people, but this is a must-watch. So we'll cover the two title fights, yes, but first let's start. What five fights in particular in this absolutely loaded carts do we want to talk about today? All right, man. First off here, I'll do my best to leave any bias out of this. However, this first fight I'm going to talk about, crazy bias here. We got Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. Um, Absolute fireworks. This is the fans' main event. Everybody's pumped about this one, so... Obviously, if you're not familiar with Justin Gates, he's got nine UFC, eight UFC fights, but nine fight bonuses in that time. It seems pretty crazy, but he's doubled up performance of the night and fight of the night a few times, too. So absolute fireworks. Michael Chandler, too. Uh, he was very known outside the UFC before coming. Uh, probably one of the best fighters outside of the UFC before coming over. This is his third fight. He actually just failed in his attempt to win the title um, his last time out. So Big implications here. Gaethje's two and Michael Chandler's four. Winner of this fight should get a title shot. Um, however, if Chandler does win, um, I don't know if they'll give it to him considering he just lost uh, to the current champ. So must see fireworks there. Um, you know, like I said, my bias. I'm riding with my boy Justin Gaethje. Um, most exciting fighter in the UFC. Nobody's seen him. Look him up on YouTube. You will you will not be uh, disappointed with his highlights. He's, he's called the human highlight reel for a reason. Um, I got Gaethje in like second round KO in this thing. His leg kicks are going to be pretty big time. So um, I do worry a little bit about the power of Michael Chandler coming out and getting him early. But must see. That's the first fight of the night. So be sure to have this thing bought and ready to roll because it's uh, kicking out the pay-per-view. Uh Second fight here on the main card, we got Shane Burgos versus Billy Q, uh, Billy Quarantillo, uh, full name there. Both New York boys. This card is in Madison Square Garden. So um, Shane Burgos, man, he's kind of an up and down fighter. Wins and loses, wins losses, wins losses. They go back and forth, uh, but he's must see TV. So um, nine UFC fights. He's got four bonuses in that time. So super exciting. Uh, Billy Q also willing to stand and bang. He's also a Dana White's Contender Series guy. Um, they're going to slug. They're from both from New York. Uh, Shane Burgos still trains out of New York. So these guys are going to, these guys are going to go in there. Must watch, must watch fight as well. Look up Shane Burgos on YouTube too. Um, I'm not trying to favor Burgos, but he is a minus 200 on the betting odds. So, you know, two to one. So he's looking pretty good there. A little more experience too. Um, going to be a fucking war though. Got to check that one out. Who was favored in that first fight? Who's, who's actually the betting favorite? My bad here. I will I will throw odds on everything here too. So I I definitely did forget that one. So we got Justin Gaethje at minus two ten. 
So a little bit more than two to one. Um, okay. Like, okay. like I said, man, this, I do think Gaethje's the overall better fighter. I do have a little bit of bias in there, but, um, the only thing I worry about Michael Chandler is his early power. Otherwise, he's got a pretty weak chin, and he's actually um, lost a fight before to leg kicks, being one of Gaethje's biggest strengths. So, and if you guys don't know, that. if you don't know, you do not want your leg kicked by Gaethje. That dude's legs are disgustingly strong. And like he said earlier, if you look him up on YouTube, that's one of the things you can look up. It's disgusting. You, you don't want to walk the day after fighting Gaethje, just ask Dustin Poirier. Yeah, man. I mean, Poirier did win that fight a, a few years back, Poirier versus Gaethje, but uh, there's rumors that, that Poirier wasn't walking right for upwards of a month afterwards. So if you want to Google that thing too, that's on there. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got number three for us, man? All right, man. So we're going to head to the prelims. The, the main card, um, basically already covered that. So first fight in the prelims here, um, pretty – young guy making his UFC debut. He's only 23 years old. His name is Ian Gary. He's fighting a guy uh, named Jordan Williams, who is a Dana White's contender series guy. Um, Ian Gary, little backstory on him. He actually is first fight in the UFC. He's seven and zero right now. He's actually the cage current cage warriors, welterweight champion cage warriors is the biggest promotion over in Europe. So he was a big prospect free agent signing by the UFC. Um, you know, these guys burst onto the scene. I'm, if anybody listening is a fan, they've heard about the Patty the Batty phenomenon recently. He also came over from Cage Warriors. Um, Darren Till, another big Europe guy that's come over previously. These guys just have a huge following, and when they come over, they uh, they make some fireworks. So that's kind of a not a fight you shouldn't miss in the prelims. First fight on the prelims, um, we got Ian Gary at a minus 400 coming in. Um, the guy he's fighting, Jordan Williams, is a vet of the UFC he very up and down kind of has a weird story. Jordan Williams actually is a type two diabetic. So he has some weight, weigh in issues at times. Um, so just a fight, man, Ian Gary doing what he should do, should come in and clean this guy up and make a big statement and be the next big Europe prospect on the roster. So for those, so, so, so for those who, who might not know some of these undercard fighters, as we get into what seems to be like some undercard fights, do, are most of these guys stand up or are we looking at some ground action, some grappling? What, what should we be expecting with some of these fights? Stylistically, go, I, sorry. I did leave that out a little bit. So Ian Gary is primarily a stand up fighter. He uh, has, I believe six of his seven fights were actually knockouts. And Jordan Williams, the same thing. When he won his UFC contract on Dana White's contender series, he knocked dude out and was screaming in the camera, give me my fucking contract. So the guy's got a ton of, <laughs> dude's got a ton of fiery energy. So um, this should be a war. Damn there, right. Th there won't be much ground action in this one. That's for sure. Awesome. But, but being as predictable as MMA is, man, I'm going to say this, and then these guys are going to go out and uh, have a grapple grapple fest for 15 minutes. Well, that's minutes, that's so. kind of one of the that's <laughs> one of the things we'll definitely talk about later with even the title fights. Is sometimes they totally shock you. Like, I believe it was Amanda Nunes the last time she defended her belt. I believe she took the chick down almost every round, maybe. Yep, You're, she's actually done it in a couple of her fights now. I mean, she makes her name off these big KOs, and now. She's just getting to the point where it almost looks like she's bored out there, just knocking these bitches out, you know. Yep. <laughs> so and she just so. take now she just knows that you know I'm so good. Why even risk getting my head taken off? Let's just 
take them down, lay on them, beat them up a little bit on the ground. So yeah, UFC is super unpredictable that way. You think sometimes you get really excited for a certain matchup. You're like, oh, we're going to get a banger. And then all of a sudden, Poirier is laying on McGregor, beating him up. And you're like, wait, I what? <laughs> no, it's so crazy. And, that, and I, I can't say I have that word for Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, but there's always that little bit of there, you know what I mean? Well, also that, and I believe Gaethy was an All-American wrestler, too. He was, and actually Chandler also was, too, at Missouri. So they both were, I mean, they both have the backgrounds to where it could be, but, you know, none of their previous fights have ever led to that, so it doesn't, I know Gaethje won't put it that way, but if Chandler starts taking those leg kicks, we can start seeing uh, seeing him shooting like a bitch. Yep, yep, I can see that. It looks like we're on to fight number four. All right, this is, uh, this will actually be my, can't miss fight of the prelims so it's actually the third fight in the prelims um with a ranked fighter as well so edmund shabazi shabazian versus nazardine imavov so a little background on these guys edmund's 23 and imavov's 25 so really young guys and edmund's been on some hard times recently he came up in the ufc he was 11 and 0 looking like a streaking prospect knocking guys out too like super good on the feet and he ended up, he lost to Derek Brunson and Jack Hermanson back-to-back, two ranked fighters, ranked ahead of him that are really good on the ground, so he got kind of exposed in that area. Not and bad losses, though. Those are not, not bad, bad losses. Not bad losses at all for a young guy. I mean, he took those losses at 21, 22 years old, so not not bad at all by any means. Just, just a young guy, but his striking is super good, but his ground game is pretty poor. So he came across some hard times, but this is actually a super favorable matchup because Nazardine Imavov, very um unheard of fighter however his striking is next level i will actually go out and say this i think nazardine striking is better than shabazian's right now there you go okay okay this this should be a a drag out bang them out stand-up fight imavov has two and two one two out of his last three his only loss in the ufc was a crazy split decision where the guy kind of just hugged him the whole time so if you guys check this fight out, I'm thinking you're going to be really impressed with the stand-up battle. We got Imavov at minus 125 and Shabazzi at minus 105. So super close. Oh, These that's almost a, a toss-up. So I'm, I'm going to ride with Imavov if I got a pick, but this is truly a pick I mean, awesome. you, can't, you can't go either way. There you go. All right. And, and what's the last, last fight? One, man. So this is uh, – this is actually the main event on the prelims. So it's Andreas Michaelitis versus Alex Pereira. Michaelitis, very vet of the UFC. He's had, well, not a huge vet. He's had three fights. He's 2-1. and one. He was a decent prospect coming out of Europe. He is fighting Alex Pereira, who actually, as a mixed martial artist, is only 3-1. and one. However, this is his first UFC fight, Alex Pereira, that is. He's coming over from kickboxing. When he left kickboxing, he actually was the number one ranked middleweight and light heavyweight in the in the world at those weight classes in kickboxing, and actually the sixth overall pound for pound. So obviously his stand-up fighting is next level, and this is the one that's the kicker. This is why he's the main event of the prelims. He fights at middleweight. The current middleweight champ, Israel Adesanya, crazy talented guy. He has two wins over Adesanya in kickboxing, one of them being a knockout. So a lot of people are saying that Pereira is the boogeyman of this division if he can come in and do really good because he already has two wins over the champ in previous uh, kickboxing fights, which obviously these guys fight in a kickboxing style. So uh, we got Pereira at minus 255. So 
he should come in and show his crazy elite striking. Also, one little thing about Pereira, too. His big training partner is Glover Teixeira. Just won the title last weekend. One of the most grimy vets in the UFC. 42 years old. He's mm-hmm. going to be in his corner tomorrow, and that's his main partner. So he's obviously getting the uh, MMA training from the top level, top level guy. Yep, and... Uh, if he, I mean, if you guys are UFC fans, you know who Israel Adesanya is. If you are not, and this is, you're going to be learning a lot of names this weekend. Israel Adesanya has been making professional fighters look amateur for a couple years now. That dude is the top of the chain for a reason. He's an absolute beast. Um, pound for pound number three right now in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this guy's wins regardless of when they came. It's impressive. Not many people stand in in out exchange Israel Adesanya. So moving to the main event. Obviously, we got well, we'll just do both title fights. We got Rose versus Zhang, Usman versus Covington. My main question is a lot of people are expecting these great wars. I actually think we could see a battle of grappling and and it's kind of a hot take in the sense of, I believe everyone just wants to see such stand up wars that, that like, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier, how sometimes you expect a war and all of a sudden you get grappling, you get ground game, ground and pound. I actually, I actually could see both of these fights going that way. I could see Kamaru taking Covington down and slowing the pace, slowing everything down picking him apart on the ground. And I could see Rose doing the same because Zhang Wei Li, I mean, if she gets, if she gets hot, I feel pretty comfortable saying she's top two, top three, just striker for women in all of women's MMA. Like I've, I've seen her when she gets comfortable, she doesn't miss. She, and she throws crazy combos. She can do anything. So I could see she both of these fights. With a very warrior style too. I know Joe Rogan said it in one of the countdown shows. He compared Jang Wei Lee to like a marauder, like in war. They just come out and just fucking bring it. You know, yep. it's one of those girls. So, so what are the chances? Do you do you see these fights going to the ground? Um, give us a quick, brief breakdown so we can jump to the next subject. Who do you think wins? How do you think both of the two title fights end? All right, man. We're gonna go the women's fight first. Um, Rose is super fun. She's awesome. She's got a cool attitude. Look up some of her YouTube stuff. Anybody that's unfamiliar, she had a really cool story when she won the title last time. Um, caught her with a crazy head kick three minutes in, put her lights out, won the title second time. So Rose is the real deal. She's not like a one-punch lucky fighter. She's beaten, beaten the best in that division over and over again. Um, I'm with Caleb on this one. I think this could go either way. I think everybody's expecting a big stand-up war. Rose does have a pretty good ground game, though. So mm-hmm. I can see maybe some submissions getting thrown in there. I think it's going to be a lot slower of a pace, potentially. Just because Whaley's kind of a marauder in that way. But if, if, if Whaley chooses to kind of chill a little bit, Rose is going to kind of follow that and do what she does. So I, And I don't I think Rose... Yeah, I don't think Rose is afraid to get into a war either. Like no, she'll she'll she'll, she'll stand and trade. Sure. She's got she's got reach. She's got some long limbs and she carries some power in those limbs. Throwing this into a little little side note here, so I, I will say I, I can't even give a prediction on this one because it truly could go either way. Um, with the three 
the two main event fights and then the Justin Gaethje fight. So a little little fact here: Justin Gaethje, Rose Namajunas, and Kamara Usman all share the same head coach. So they could uh, they could really do some damage as a team right there. So just had to throw that in. Very nice. Anyways, anyways, the uh, the women's straw fight strawweight fight's too hard to tell. I, I can see this going either way, and the odds are saying that too. Whaley's actually a slight favorite at minus one twenty. And Rose minus one ten. So obviously the betters are seeing it that way too. Don't give me that shit. Gun to your head. Who are you taking? <sighs> I'll go Rose, man. I think she's got a little bit more ways to win. I and agree. She's got that attitude. I like that spunk she's got. You know that uh, that thing where she always says she's the best before the fight, and she looks like she's probably gonna puke. <laughs> yep. Gun gun to the head. I'll take Rose and I'm a Eunice. I will say, if it goes past the first round, I definitely believe that favors Rose because she seems to settle in, get in her zone and really start going um, in those mid rounds. So moving on to the main event, we got Kobe Covington, Kamaro Usman, numero dos. Who do you got? How do you see it ending? All right, man. So Kobe gets a lot of shit for his antics, which I think are fucking hilarious, by the way. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous suits. <laughs> talking the bullshit it's all an act man but it's getting eyeballs i think it's great <laughs> what what he did in brazil is next to nothing in like pure comedy i oh know you oh ready to burn down <laughs> i i was surprised he found his way to the plane safely i thought he pushed his limits but hey look look who was you know he was the last man standing he got the last laugh so if you guys <laughs> yes, if you guys want to look up some funny antics i mean you got conor mcgregor's the goat at it Kobe Covington does his own brand very well. He, he mixes like almost some pro wrestling in where he knows, like you'll even catch him sometimes in these press conferences and stuff. He'll even like kind of laugh at himself. He knows it's ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. There's no way he believes all the shit he says. So who actually, do you... I've, listening to and doing a little research, I've actually heard from, from multiple sources that his character couldn't be more opposite of the person. I guess he's a super sweet human. He has a lot of friends that are well-connected. Um, in the MMA community that just say he's actually a super good, awesome guy. He's big in the military and, and uh, the policeman and the firemen, he supports him big time. So, I mean, he's outside of this act. I have heard he's a super good guy. So, yeah. So who do you got? Dude, hard to bet against Kamaru because his, his game has evolved so much. He was primarily a wrestler, which we both know. Mm-hmm. And he just developed that striking so much with Trevor Whitman as the head coach. Like I mentioned before, who's with Rose and Gaethje already. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's knocked out his last two guys. He was kind of a snoozer to be honest. He used to just wrestle guys, take them down and control them. But I give the guy credit. He's really, um, he's really developed his game for sure. But one thing I will say, man, is Covington's fucking pace, man. He is in your face all night long. And you mentioned it before where you could see a little bit more ground action, which I do agree with. However, I don't think Camaro's. All right. So we're back. We were sorry. I don't know what happened again. Um, We were talking about Usman's wrestling abilities, but how he might not use them because that pace. However, I will counter it by saying his last fight, Gilbert Burns is a guy. I know that it was, sorry, Jorge Masvidal was his last fight. Who's another pace pusher. Um, He's also a counter striker. I know, but Gilbert Burns did push the pace a lot in that Usman fight and he handled it very well. He actually counter striked a lot better than I thought. So if, if Covington, well, there's no, if that dude's going to push the tempo, that's just what he does. 
but I, but I, I do think that Usman's going to handle it very well. Like Usman has developed so much in in to the point where like you used to say, okay, well he doesn't have power or he doesn't have great striking. You can't say that about basically anything in his game anymore, right? I mean, it doesn't seem to have any holes at all at this point. He's developed his hands so fucking much now. He he pops out that lead jab like a fucking piston, and then he comes over the top with the right a lot. I mean, it's pretty pretty rudimentary what he does striking-wise, but it gets the job done. It Certainly. It brings so much power and speed. So who do you got, my guy? All right, man. So I think, you know, in the first fight, the wrestling canceled each other out. They're both such good wrestlers. I think that's going to still be the case. However, somebody's going to try it, and I don't know which one it's going to be. I will tell you one thing. I don't think Usman's going to walk in there and just take Colby down, and vice versa, because Usman's never been taken down. I think Colby's only been taken down maybe one or two times and has popped right back up. So I'm going to go Usman because it's hard to bet against him. However... I think Colby has a lot better chance than the betters are giving him. I think Colby is – I think Usman is 1A by a mile. I think Colby's 1B in that division, and I think everybody else bows down to him. I think if Colby fights anybody else at 170, he cleans him up, and Usman already has cleaned him up. What was that so, line? What was that line? You mentioned the line, but we didn't hear it. Sorry. Dude, we got tomorrow at minus 310. I really? Think if be- dude, if you're a better, that is so absurd. I, I know he's undefeated. But the last time him and Covington fought, they were they were tied up 2-2 going into the fifth round. Yeah, so, I will say this, though. I will say that Camaro, he, he, it's hard to take that away from him. He has earned a line like that because of how dominant he's been and because the last time these two fought, we were there were some things that you could point out that you could call a weakness, quote-unquote, for Usman. And now there's there's literally nothing. There's not a weakness in that guy's fight game. So I think you could say that line's absurd, but at the same time, I do think Usman has earned that. I can agree to that to an extent, for sure, because he's developed so much. Plus, I mean, the guy's the guy's never lost in the UFC. He's on the verge of setting records. He's fourteen and zero. GSP's UFC to start a career was sixteen and zero. It's like, dude, he's almost on the on the points of setting records. I will say I don't think anybody at 170 beats Usman until he falls off or something happens to him. However, if anybody has a shot, it's Colby, just because of the pace and the style. Yep, I agree. So for those of you who don't... Let me add one thing in. Yep, go ahead. If you're a better on this one, don't take the 310 Usman too close. Throw 10 bucks at Colby at plus 245. You'll make a little bit more money just in case it happens. These odds are too crazy. If you're gonna, if you're strictly betting, you gotta go the crazy underdog. There you go. Who actually, is, who actually is closer than a crazy underdog, but it's just listed that way. There you go. So, um, Taylor, I wanted to talk about the UFC as an organization to finish up our segment here. We see fighters starting to say, not even starting, they've been saying things in the in their post fight interviews that kind of like make you think, and it kind of breaks your heart also. Guys saying stuff like, I needed this win to pay my bills. You know, I sleep in my, I sleep in my car. I sleep in the gym. I live in the gym. And so for, for those of you who don't know, Dana White is the president of the UFC. He has done a great job in building this sport. No doubt about it. To me, I don't like Dana. I think he is the most arrogant president in any sport. It's all about Dana. And for those of you who don't know, a lot of these fighters do not get paid 
anything more than what me or you might work in just a regular full-time job. It's really sad. And they've been very public about it. And the argument always is, well, you sign the contract. Well, if you're chasing your dream, if your dream is to be an NBA player, an MMA fighter, an NFL player, you're going to take the minimum contract just to get to live your dream. Of course it is. Or any normal human would. And that's not a reason to take advantage of a human being who's making you filthy rich and you're sitting on piles of money. So Dana White is, to me, he's just so arrogant and full of himself. And you hear these fighters coming out and saying, you know, I, I like I said, I live in my gym, I live in my car, blah, blah, blah. That's not right. These fighters are are putting their lives in the line, getting in an octagon and fighting. They really are. It, any head kick, any punch, anything could go wrong and they could have their entire lives altered. It is fighting for a living. So they are literally fighting for their lives. A lot of these men have children, families to feed, stuff like that, mortgages to pay. The only comparison in sports to like, honestly, is if you guys saw the stuff come out about single A, double A and triple A baseball players, how they have like the shittiest hotels. They have to pay for them themselves sometimes. And they have like terrible conditions. Like, Ah, oh, it's extremely frustrating when you dig into the details how some of these athletes have to live because as a professional athlete, you your company is now owned by ESPN, which is owned by Disney. There is no excuse that these guys are living in a fucking car or a fucking gym. It is absolutely inexcusable. TV and merch deals, the fighters are not getting any of it. Taylor, what do you what do you got for me, man? I I this drives me fucking crazy. I like the passion of that rant, man. You were going off on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's infuriating, man, because because we sit here, we go to our jobs every day, and we have a good home. I got to build my fucking man cave in my basement. I get to park my car in a garage. You you got to build your gym in your basement. That's your thing. Like we get to do that, and we're 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 not doing our dream. These guys are doing oh, right. These guys are doing their dream, and it's like they're suffering for it. And so what, what kind of examples can you give and what kind of like, how can you put things into perspective for some of those who, who like, this might be, this might be the first time people are learning this. Cause I genuinely believe that there's people out there watching these fights thinking all oh, these rich assholes. And that's simply not the case. There's only a few that are millionaires and there's less than a few that are well off. Yeah, for sure. So I'll touch on this a little bit. I know. A lot of the top level fighters, you don't hear them bitch too much. So if you're in like, if you're a champion or say top one, two, three in a division, typically you're getting paid some pretty good money, and you don't hear these guys complain a whole lot because um, they're bringing them, they're bringing in the big bucks. So you know they're getting treatment up under the table. They're getting this, they're getting that. It's the mid level and the low level guys that are getting absolutely fucked. Um, I know NBA, NFL, they have a crazy high wealth distribution of what they bring in and what the players make. The UFC is a, like abnormally crazy low in that aspect. I think they only share like 10 to 15% of everything they bring in. Don't quote me on this. I'd have to look up the stats. I think NFL and NBAs are on like 50 or 60%. It's they just, are. It's so, they are. It's so glaring. So glaring. Um, but I do know for sure the UFC is in the low 10 to 15%. It's just something absolutely ridiculous. For, um, for example, wasn't it? I believe that UFC fighters at one point in time could get their own sponsors, wear their own gear from their sponsors and stuff. I believe the UFC took a contract with Reebok and now everyone has to wear Reebok. And not only that, 
they signed this giant partnership with Reebok and now the fighters get zero percentage of the pay from Reebok. Is that correct? That, so part, no, partially correct. So that's one big thing that the other organizations, Bellator, PFL, even some of the smaller ones can offer their guys, because I know for a fact, fighters have said they'll make 50, 60, 70, 80 grand, you know, depending on how good of a fighter they are just off of the sponsors on their shorts for that fight. You take that away. Look at that. Look how much money these fighters are losing. I know Corey Anderson was in the UFC. He just went to Bellator recently. He's got four or five fights in Bellator. He's saying in those four or five fights, he's already been paid more than his entire 15-fight UFC career. Definitely. It's crazy. And that's just based on the sponsors and the, the better treatment of the fighters. Um, so, yes, with the Reebok, you are partially correct. They were with Reebok, and they're not with Reebok anymore. They're with Venom now. The pay structure is so ridiculous. So they're not allowed sponsors on their shorts anymore, which used to bring in thousands of dollars for each fighter. Now they get this thing called a fight week bonus. It goes on your UFC tenure. It doesn't matter if you're a big prospect or you're a high name that got signed to the UFC outside of the, outside of the UFC first and you came in. It just matters how long you've been in the UFC. So, for example, you know, Donald Cerrone's fought in the UFC freaking – 30 something times he gets the highest pay which still is only like 25 grand michael chandler on the other hand it's his third ufc fight tomorrow he comes in the biggest free agent in the world and he's going to make five thousand dollars based on this fight week pay which is just pennies so they're taking away sponsors they're making these guys wear the gear that they're providing and they're not gonna they're not making up for that compensation guys are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars overall doing that I real quick say that would guys would say that the, just their sponsors alone on their shorts would pay for all the expenses they have outside of fighting, like training camps, their house, their mortgages, and that. And then the money they get from actually fighting would be for them to keep and whatever. For for in just a real quick insert here, for those of you who are saying, "Well, pay me five thousand dollars a week." Well, you got to keep in mind the average fighter maybe fights three times a year. If, if I'm not mistaken, you, you're going to, you're going to get three to four fights a year. And that's if every camp is perfect for you and your opponent. And if, if you stay healthy through all those training camps, your opponent has to stay healthy. COVID has taken that to a whole new level of difficult. Oh my God, has it ever. And so, so a lot of shit factors in these guys are only getting three to five paydays in an entire year. Now imagine that. And now it's being based on your tenure come on i mean if you really dig into it it's it's a big problem it's a problem that a lot of other organizations have the the ufc i in my opinion they've lost some really good really exciting fighters my favorite fighter was anthony pettis for years it seemed to me like that dude left in a heartbeat like he yeah, didn't it, it's just it, the dude, you know? it, but, it, but it seemed like it wasn't even a hard decision for him, which it should have been because that dude was a highlight reel. Anytime a, a, an actual MMA fan saw Anthony Pettis on a card, they're tuning in. And if you miss it, you're going to wake up the next morning and watch. And if that dude left and says he's making more money, like, I don't know. It's, it's a problem. And so Dana White will publicly defend himself. And I believe... I believe he basically said, you know, these guys signed the contracts. Um, do you see this changing in the near future? Because I really don't. 
I Dana White double anytime an issue is brought up to Dana White, he doubles down. Ariel Hawani, I don't know if many of you know this. I listened to Ariel Hawani come on the Dan Lebetard show podcast. And this is back when they were on ESPN. He came on and talked about how it got so bad between him and the UFC. Now, is Ariel a perfect guy? No, but he is without a doubt, whether you like him or not, he's a great journalist. That dude does more homework than anyone. He covers the sport at a high level. Whether the fighters liked him or not, I could give a shit because his job is to be a journalist. His job is not to be liked. Dana White hated him so much that this is 100% true. If if Dana White is walking into a facility that Ariel Hirwani is in, security will escort him out simply because he doesn't like him. He says he doesn't even want to see his face. So that's telling you what kind of guy Dana is. And so anytime he's been faced with adversity or anytime anyone's brought up any challenges, he has always doubled down on arrogance and like bullshit. I'm not changing. So do you actually see this changing in the near future? Because I really don't. So I'll say this. I, I definitely don't hate Dana as much as you do. It's, as it appears, I just I think what the guy did during COVID and tough times proves that he actually some people say he does it for the money this or that but man he was putting on events when nobody else was and was trying to lead the lead the charge and that's so i give the guy a lot of credit for that he does mm-hmm. have a lot of shortcomings that you've talked about obviously so i definitely don't see it changing anytime soon it seems like the top guys are happy as a clam and the middle guys are getting screwed and middle and the bottom guys are definitely getting screwed I do know one thing, too, like just for an example of the listeners, uh, a, a low-level UFC contract, say, you know, compared to a rookie contract in the NFL of like 590000 or NBA like 900000 a rookie contract for your first time in the UFC, if you're not a big prospect, you're just a guy that's worked your way up, you're making 12 and 12. What that means is you make 12000 to show up, and if you win, you make 12000 more. So think about that. And then you're only getting... You know, I think even the low-level Reebok sponsorship or Venom sponsorship only pays two or three thousand to, uh, to show up to wear their gear. So you got to think about that. You show up, you lose your fight. You're only going to go home with fifteen thousand dollars. Do that three times a year and try to stay healthy. Yeah, and then pay taxes on top. Of yeah, that. you know what I mean. Exactly. You got bills <laughs> to pay. Taxes. The average, the average fucking income in America is what forty-five thousand, and 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 you're not getting punched in the head for fun. <laughs> getting punched in the head and losing brain cells for 12 and 12 yeah it's it's ridiculous man um these guys beat the shit out of each other for a living these men and women sorry i shouldn't just keep saying men i apologize uh it's it's all fighters it's pretty disgusting shit and i should say i should say for the record yeah go ahead i will say a lot of this didn't come up until the 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 lack of sponsorships and the reebok and the venom deal because these guys could then go and get their own sponsors and make you know seventy, eighty, ninety thousand more, and pay for everything outside of fighting that you would need. Um, before the Reebok deal, that was all fine and dandy. You didn't hear about this, but now that they took away personal sponsorships, it's gotten so much worse. It's 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 put a glaring eye right on how much these guys are actually getting paid. Well, because you you're make 50, 50 grand on sponsorships, but you're only making twelve and twelve. That makes the twelve and twelve not seem so damn bad. Right. If you're making three thousand dollars on twelve and twelve, it looks like shit. 12 and 12 becomes you're spending your fun money because so for so fighting is you have a team you have a training staff yes fighting is an individual sport that's why growing your brand that's why like what kobe covington does we call it an act 
but it's a necessary act to sell Kobe Covington's brand, to make him a popular fighter. Because when it's not just the fact of getting sponsors. When Kobe Covington goes on someone else's podcast, they're going to want to hear him, and he knows that. Why? Because he makes himself popular. So, yes, they took away the selling of themselves, like promoting themselves to other companies, growing their brand. Yes, they took that away. And what other company does that? It's complete horseshit. Well, I should say, what other company does that? And doesn't pay you like does just straight up doesn't give you the money to to be living well off. Um, the crazy so, thing, too, is a lot of people may not know these fighters. They have to pay for their own. It's not like when you play for the play for an NFL team or an NBA team, you show up to practice and they have all these things at your disposal. You legitimately have to pay for all of your training, all of your striking coaches, your grappling coaches. All this stuff comes out of the money you make for a fight. So think about being on a 12 and 12 and then have to go back and pay your coaches. <laughs> Stupid. I mean, I mean, geez, and I should say, yeah, you're on a 12 and 12 and you lose. I mean, fuck. So, nothing left. so I should say, I, I don't like Dana, but I, I will go back to what you said. I do give the man mad props. He's a genius. He grew the UFC for fuck's sakes. If you've never watched uh, Tito and Chuck, the 30 for 30, it gets into how Dana grew the brand. The dude is a genius. He's just a selfish fucking dick. Um, Taylor, we're going to get you out of here real quick. The last but not least question of the day. If you could have a conversation with one animal, what would it be and why? Oh, man. I would probably like to talk to one of those big-ass, burly, hairless chimps. Google one. They look pretty crazy. I want to see what the life of a monster hairless chimp is like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Look, Google a fucking hairless chimp right now. They look insane, and they look a lot like humans. (laughs) Pretty crazy. Well, Taylor, I appreciate it, man. Tons of good info. Uh, We covered it well. It was a great segment. It's going to be a fun-ass weekend of sports, especially a card. Hey, have a great weekend, man. Enjoy the fights. Let's get it on. You too, bro. Good talking to you. I look forward to next time too. You bet. We'll see you, bud. Talk to you later. All right. That was a lot of fun getting into it with my buddy Taylor talking about that loaded card this weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll, we'll get wrapped up here with the sports weekend. We'll get into a little bit of college football. I'll just give you a couple games to watch. Uh, starting with my favorite squad. It's, it's not a highlight weekend for college football. There's just some good matchups. North Carolina, my favorite team, they're hosting Wake Forest. I'm not picking that because North Carolina because I actually think they're going to lose. But that game is going to feature some fucking highlights. That's two super high-powered offenses with real NFL talent on those offenses. So it could be a good high-scoring game. I'll take Wake Forest 45-34. Bunch of points coming. Liberty Ole Miss, that could be a fun one. Butch Davis turned Liberty around into a very respectable program. They're going into Mississippi to face good old Lane Kiffin, still floating around doing big things down there in Mississippi. So I, I know that the Ole Miss is like a nine-point favorite. That's saying something for a school like Liberty to be on the road and they're only nine-point dogs. That could be one to tune into, folks. Thirteen Number 13, Auburn at number 14, AM. Another great SEC matchup every weekend. The SEC is producing one of these games. I said it before, and I'll say it again. A&M does not lose their quarterback in week one. They are a top five team with 
a win over Alabama. I do think they would have one loss on their record at some point, but Jimbo Fisher's turned them into an elite program. He recruits at an elite level, keeps getting top five recruiting classes. He's really turning them into an absolute powerhouse. I believe it's Kyle Field, the 12th man. That place gets fucking rowdy. It is super fun to watch games in that stadium. Let's jump into the NFL. I'm not going to break down each game. We got the post-game show coming up next Tuesday. We'll do parlay play of the week for me. Why don't you give me Miami? Minus six and a half at home versus Houston. Tyrod Taylor does make his return, I believe. So for whatever that's worth to you, but the Texans are dog shit. So give me Miami minus six and a half at home. Give me Kansas City for the money line. And give me the Cardinals. Only one point favorites at San Francisco? Come on, man. Don't disrespect a team like that. Knowing me, I'll get that totally wrong. However, I gave y'all one. I'm 1-0. Undefeated. Can't argue. I'm the champ. Uh, We'll do a little bit of hockey here. Uh, For those of you who love sports, I don't get why you don't love hockey. For those of you who say, oh, it's boring. You're a moron. There's more action in a fucking hockey game than any other sport. Everywhere you look, someone's getting hit. It's legal to punch each other in the head. And if you watch kind of off-puck action, they just will throw elbows. They'll jab each other with their sticks and their ribs. Hockey players are assholes, man. It's literally the best way to describe it. I love the NHL, and I wish I would have fallen in love with it earlier. My team is the Carolina Hurricanes. We're the best in the fucking league. We 9-0 went on the road and beat the dog shit Blackhawks who are under all these allegations. That shit's looking messy. Extremely sad what happened to that man. Uh, Read into it on your own time. It's a mess in Chicago, not to mention they're like (laughs) 1-8-1. Nobody's. Florida Panthers are a great team. I believe they're the only undefeated, even though they had an overtime loss. So suck it, Florida. But it's it's been an awesome start to the season. High flying action. Like, like, like what I mean by that is like the NHL is so it's getting faster and faster and every single year. To see these giant humans on literal swords flying around out there with a stick and in a hard ass puck flying around. It'll give you a new appreciation for goalies. I'm telling you guys, pick a team, invest in that team. And follow them for the year. There's nothing better than playoff hockey. Nothing better. Regular season is almost equally as fun. Like, it is such an action-packed sport. So if your argument is boring, you're a moron. Oh, it's not, there's only like three or four goals scored a game. It's not just about goals. These dudes literally, like I said, it's illegal to fight. They get put in penalty situations where, imagine the NBA, where if you commit a foul, that dude has to go to the bench and the other team plays five on four for 30 seconds well they do it for two minutes in hockey the power play is insane the fans pounding the boards every time you get oh man it's action everywhere please try to invest yourselves if you don't and some of you who watch soccer and criticize hockey get bent and i like soccer too but don't criticize hockey for being slow paced and talk about soccer fuck out of here uh that'll about wrap up Mostly everything headed into the final segment of the day. Make sure to give me a follow on Instagram at fandom underscore pod. Snapchat at fandummies, F-A-N-D-U-M-M-I-E-S. 
for rants, polls. Make sure you give us a follow on there. If you like the podcast so far, make sure you follow me on Anchor. Anchor is owned by Spotify, so obviously it goes on Spotify as well. You can follow, like my page there. You can get all the updates. We'll be right back for the final segment. For the last segment we'll do, I finally got a name for it, and it's not clever at all. So if y'all got a better one, feel free to send it in. Caleb's comment. Um, and this one is for men. Look, man, we, we talked today more than ever about mental health. And today, I just want to tell y'all straight up as someone who struggled with it, still struggles to this day, your feelings matter, man. Never be afraid to cry, to open up, to talk freely about how you feel. As men, we are supposed to be tough, manly, you know, be the, be the big, be the bigger man. We hear that expression all the time. Hide your emotions, put it away. Don't show tears. Don't show weakness. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck that shit, man. Almost two thirds of suicides in America are men. And a lot of times the saddest part is you talk to the ones close to that man and you never saw it coming. Why? Because he bottles up. He's doing what he's told when you bottle it up it takes such a toll on us it weighs heavy and i just want you all to know that i care your family cares your friends care people care do not be scared to talk things out a real man is not afraid of crying telling someone that he is not okay seeking help it's okay y'all i want you and i encourage you to not bottle up find someone you trust i know you have people close to you that want you to open up just reach out simply make that call make that shoot that text whatever it may be and for those of you who need to hear this listen up fellas listen close i am genuinely proud of you i am proud of you you are doing great in your life things are only gonna get better so keep your head up feel free to reach out seek help we are taught so wrong in this country. I'm so glad it seems to be changing. I love all y'all. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>